0: Good evening. You may open your Bibles at Psalm 139. Now I know that this is a very familiar passage, and you may have heard many sermons on it, but it is my prayer tonight that you would take something from this message that would strengthen your relationship with God. Let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Lord, we bring you all the praise and glory and honor. We thank you for who you are, that you are almighty God. And we thank you that you are mindful of us. We thank you for your love and your grace and your precious word. Lord, I pray that you would go forth and prepare the way for us. And that you would open our hearts and that you would speak, O oh Lord. Speak to our hearts tonight, Father and let your will be done in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we could be here tonight as part of the body of Christ. Help us to not take it for granted. Show us the way that leads to eternity. Show us a bit more of your glory, and your splendor tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hitched me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it where can i go from your spirit or where can i flee from your presence if i ascend into heaven you are there if i make my bed in hell behold you are there if i take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me if i say Surely The darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. O that you would slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak wickedly against you. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The message for the, uh, the title for tonight's message is creator God and his relationship with created man. We read in Genesis 1:27 that God created man and this verb. Being used is in Hebrew the word bara. But then again we read in Genesis 2 verses 7 that God formed man. And this word, word form in Hebrew is asah. God spoke everything into existence but with man he both created and formed. And this word, form, is the same word used in Scripture when a potter forms clay. But not only did God create and form us, He breathed the breath of life into us. And this is what separates Man from any other living creature. This and the fact that man was created in God's image. And only after God breathed life into us, man became a living being. We read in Job 33 verse 4 to 6, The Spirit of God made me, and the breath of the Almighty One gives me life. Truly I am as your spokesperson before God, I also have been formed out of clay. And one person in history who not only knew his maker, but also had a close and personal relationship with him, was David. And we meet David as a young shepherd boy in 1 Samuel 17, where he stood up for the name of God and defeated the giant called Goliath through the faith that he had in God and through the power of God when all others stood back in fear. Later, he would become king. Over all of Israel and Judah and his reign was the pinnacle of Jewish history now this psalm is one of the most impressive ones ever written and it could be broken up word for word like Jesus broke up the loaves of bread and the fish to feed the five thousand so we can break up this psalm word for word and you will be fully fed and satisfied and there'll be more left for later. This song was also meant to be sung as a song of worship and adoration. But let us first take a glimpse of David's life and see how he got to write this psalm, this how he got to paint this picture of Creator God David was an interesting person, one of the most famous people in the Bible after Jesus. It said that it was written about him more than 800 times in the Bible, and there are many references about him in the New Testament. He had many victories, but also many failures. But the one thing that stood out about David's life was his relationship. With his maker. The story starts out with this young shepherd boy, forgotten by everyone. You find him where his character is being built, where he has to step, step up and defend his father's sheep against predators like lions and bears. And this is and where he finds himself alone in the wilderness is where his character is built and where his relationship is built with God. And this is where God prepares him for what is to come. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in nature, when I'm in the bush or at the sea, this is where I feel closest to God. Now, David was known as a man of God's own heart. And we will understand this once we've looked at a few of his characteristics, like his obedience, his humility, his justice, and his faith. An example of his obedience is when he obeyed God's word, when God told him, you will not build a temple for me. Another example is when he was obedient, when God told him when to attack an enemy and when not to attack an enemy. His humility. When David was victorious over the Philistines, the woman sang in the streets, Saul has slain thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. He didn't let pride get the better of him. An example of his justice is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, when he paid full price for Ornan's threshing floor to build an altar for God, where it was offered to him for free. He paid the full and fair price. And of course, his faith we all know when he stood in front of this three-meter-tall giant fully armoured with the most fearsome weapons, he stood there with his slingshots. He stood there in faith when all odds counted against him. It wasn't smooth sailing for David. No, it wasn't. He had many conflicts. He fought many battles and he had many heartaches. For example, the death of his best friend uh, Jonathan his son Ammon sleeping with his half-sister Tamar. His son of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. The death of his baby. And later in his life went he flee from his own son Absalom. And you can see his character, how he lamented and how he mourned the death of this son who wanted his own life. But God was always with him. It was God that David cried out to when he felt, found himself in these difficult situations. And we are going to look tonight at four of God's attributes found in this passage. We're going to look at God's omniscience, His omnipresence, His omnipotence and His justice. And then we are going to look at how we can have a relationship with Almighty God. Attribute number one, God's omniscience. God knows everything. God's knowledge is incomprehensible. Every bit of God's knowledge is always fully present. It cannot uh, cannot fade or, or grow dim it cannot change, it cannot grow, it's always there. There, are, there is no new knowledge. There's nothing that man can still discover. Everything is, was already there. Man just discovers what was already there. Matthew Mori uh, was called the father of oceanography in 1806. He read Psalm 8.8, 8, where he read, The paths of the sea... And he set out to go and find this truth that was written 2,800 years before. And he found them. He discovered these warm and cold continental currents in the ocean. It was already there. Let's look at verse 1. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. As God created everything, He knows everything. And David knows this. David sees that God knows Him. He knows, David, intimately. He knows what he does, where he goes, what he thinks, even the words on his tongue before he even speaks it. Verse 5 and 6, You have hedged me behind and before, and you laid your hand upon me. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot even attain it. This word hedged, it's too um, to press on, to besiege. There is no escape. And you laid your hand upon me. Imagine picking up a small animal, like a baby chick, in your hands. You've hedged it from in front and from behind. And that little animal, or baby chick, or bird, is safe in your hands. Safe in your careful and loving hands. And that is how God has us in His hands. Safe and careful, loving and, 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 and precious are we to Him. That's how He holds us. Remember the song we used to sing when you were younger? He's got the whole world in His hands. He truly has the whole world in his hands, and this fact should give every Christian comfort and peace of mind. The fact that God is all-knowing and that God knows David better than himself is too wonderful for him. He cannot attain it. He cannot comprehend it. Isaiah fifty-five verse nine reads: "For as the heavens are higher than the earth." So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And this is the same for every single one of us. He knows every single detail of our lives, even the number of hairs on your head, Matthew 10 verse 30. And what is more impressive of this God is that He determines the number of the stars and He knows them by name. Psalm 147 and verse 4. God created us wonderfully. He gave us these powerful brains and it is said that we only use about 8% of these brains that we have. But with this powerful organ... We will never, ever be able to understand or comprehend God in His totality. And this fact should make us stand in wonder and in awe. Attribute number two, God's omnipresence. God is everywhere all the time. Where can I flee from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? God is unlimited. He's not limited by space or time. It's not that David wants to flee from God. He acknowledges God's ever presence. That God is with him all the time. Verse 8. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. How high can you go in the heavens? God is there. The word hell in this passage refers to Sheol, or the grave, or the pit. God is there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, the wings of the morning, as the light of the morning spreads, God is there. Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me, indeed the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as day. God's omnipresence is a comfort to David. God is everywhere, and God sees everything. Even where you are in your dark, deep and troublesome situation, God is there. Nothing is hidden from God. He sees all your sins, even the sins done in darkness or in secret. But oh, how quickly that even David forget this when he committed his sin with Bathsheba. He forgot that God sees everything when he was busy with his murderous actions. How quickly do you and I forget that God is everywhere and he sees everything. This is either a scary fact or a comforting fact that God is always there. But because of this, David knew he could run to God in his distress. He knew he could call upon his God. He knew he could beg for mercy and forgiveness. Another psalm that David wrote, Psalm 51, we could see the contrition, the deep sorrow that he felt for his sins. It's because David had a relationship with God. That closeness, that comfort. A side note, something to think about. And this is what I was thinking about. If God is omnipresent, if He is everywhere all the time, this is a fact that there can only be one true and living God there cannot be more than one God that is everywhere all the time. Think about that. Attribute number three, God's omnipotence. He is all-powerful, verses 13 to 16. God's omnipotence means that God is able to do His holy will. He is who He is and He cannot change He's all-powerful and He is sovereign. And we can talk about many things of His omnipotence. His miracles, His wonderful works, His saving plan. But in this passage, we want to focus on His intelligent design. As David describes in the next few verses. Verse 13. You formed my inward parts and you covered me in my mother's womb. The words formed and covered, it points to an intricate and intelligent design, a careful design. One example of God's careful design is the human eye. Between 125 and 135 million light-sensitive cells that needed to come together, to form the human eye. And then there's 10 million uh, receptor cells and it has to process information quickly and it focuses on in milliseconds. It's just amazing. Just the human eye. And the human eye is different uh, uh, from animal eyes. It's just one small thing. And then of course you have DNA. That DNA that contains everything about you the color of your eyes, what color your hair would be, how tall you would be. If you would take one strand of DNA from one of your cells and stretch it out, it will be two meters in length. And if you would take all the DNA in your body from all your cells and stretch it out, it will be twice this, the 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 the, the ham- The amateur of the solar system, sorry. Truly wonderful, this creator God. Man can boast about many things, what they build and what they do, but man cannot even create a blade of grass or a grain of sand out of nothing. We serve a wonderful God. Verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When last did you praise God for your body? When last did you thank Him for your eyes that you could see, smell, hear, taste, touch, experience? We are quick to run to Him when we are sick or in distress, But when last we praise Him for His wonderful works? We were fearfully and wonderfully made, fearfully reverence, awe, wonderfully being set apart that man is different from animal. And at the end of verse 14 it says, Marvelous are your works and my soul knows it very well. From the smallest of God's creation like the DNA to the biggest, to the greatest that we sometimes so miss. We focus down here. We see the mountains and the trees and the streams and the animals. But when last did you look up into the sky? When lost, did you think about the stars, the sun, the moon, the galaxies that God created? We live on a speck of dust in the universe. And God, He loved us and He created this sun that we think is big, but it's not. And He placed it just far away that we would not burn to death, but close enough that it could ripen your tomatoes. This splendor of God's design. They say the observable universe, observable universe, people, is about 93 billion light years long. How long? How big is a light year? What is the distance? They say there's about 200 billion, trillion stars. Anything over a million goes over my head. Then I don't focus. We read those things and it doesn't make an impact. We, We cannot comprehend God and his creation. It says here, and my soul knows very well. Every single person knows that God exists. No one can deny it. Go and read Romans chapter 1. Two reasons why people try and deny His existence is either because of the shame of their sin or because of the love of their sin. They don't want there to be a God to show them that they are wrong. They love the darkness rather than the light, John chapter 3 explains. There really isn't any excuse. God exists, and the Bible says the heavens declare his glory, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. In the ESV translation it is intricately woven, God's handiwork. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. What are also numbered are the days of your life even before you were born. You know what is interesting? That there are people out there, they try and delay getting old. They try and delay death. People will eat the best grass-fed beef or free-range chicken or organic fruit and vegetables. They will drink mineral water. They they will do all these kinds of breathing techniques and exercises and use the all kinds of lotions and potions available to delay death, but I cannot. And this is especially true of rich and famous people. There are also people That will freeze their bodies, it says, with the speculative hope that resurrection may be possible in the future. Only God knows your days. Who can, by worrying, add one hour to your life? We read in Matthew chapter 6. Listen to these words speculative hope. Brothers and sisters, We don't have speculative hope. We've got blessed assurance in Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard people say, Life is short, enjoy to the fullest? But do you hear people say, Eternity is long, better prepare for it now? People want to live forever, and they will. But the sad reality is, they don't consider, they don't think about the two eternal destinations. And unfortunately, there are many, many on the wrong way that leads to eternal damnation. Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. This creator God has special thoughts about you. He thinks highly of you. He has plans for you. Like a mother with a baby in her arms. Having plans for this baby. Having special thoughts about this baby. Do you see this love and affection of this mother and this baby? If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. God is with you. A few weeks ago, before I say a few weeks ago, let me just say this. Have you ever noticed when a baby wakes up that it would cry for its mother? Yes, it might be hungry, or it might be sick, or it might have a dirty nappy. But that baby wakes up and it's crying for the presence and warmth of its mother. So a few weeks ago, myself and my wife, we looked after my friends children when they had to attend a wedding. And uh, it's a 10 month old baby girl and a three year old old boy, and I I think you know now why we still don't have children yet. (laughs) So late in the evening I had this baby in my arms, hushing her, okay, sleep now baby, sleep now. And I placed her in her bed. And as I let her go and stepped back, she started crying. And I placed my hand on her. It's okay. Sleep, baby. It's okay. And she felt my warm hand and my presence. And she fell asleep. That closeness, that security made her fall asleep. God's presence should make us feel comforted. It should make us feel at peace. Like David experienced this closeness with God. Attribute number four, God's justice, verses 19 to 22. O oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak wickedly against you. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. First, God, first David explains to us God's attributes: his his omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence. But suddenly, there's this drastic turn in the psalm. It's as if David loses focus. From God, and he sees all these wicked people. These people who dishonor God. They disrespect him. They speak wickedly of him. They make his name lowly. It's totally disrespectful for David. It grieves him. It is repulsive to him. He cannot take it. He counts them as his own enemies but he knows God is righteous and just and he will take vengeance on his enemies. Again, we see David's relationship with God. He loves this God. He stands up for this God. Not that God needs anyone to stand up for him. And I know everyone here tonight, you will stand up for your loved one if someone will will disrespect them. And then hold on here. The psalm ends off with the following two verses. And I ask you, do not listen with your ears. Listen with your hearts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. Examine me. Look closely. Try me. Test me. This anxiety is translated thoughts. Test my thoughts. The word wicked used here is the word that it refers to idolatry. What is in the way between me and you? David is standing in front of God. God, here I am. Look at me. Show me. What is standing in the way between me and you? Show me if there's any unrepented sins. Come and examine me. David knows his creator. David knows that God wants what is best for him. And that God will lead him. We read in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd the shepherd will lead and the sheep will follow. John ten twenty seven and 28. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my Father's hand. We've looked at four of God's attributes found in this passage. And now I ask you, Do you have a relationship with God? And if you do, is there anything standing in your way with your relationship with God? The key of this passage is relationship. You can have a relationship with this big and almighty creator God. Indescribable. We cannot comprehend Him. And this God wants a relationship with me and with you. Do you know what is the difference between true Christianity and religion? True Christianity is on this side you've got God and here is man. And religion is you've got this false God, this religion and man. But on this side, God did all the work. It's relationship. On this side, it's works-based. You have to do things to get to this God. Here it is spelled done. Jesus did it on the cross. On this side, it is spelled do. You have to do stuff to get to this God. You have to pray so many times a day. You have to fast, you have to hurt yourself to show contrition or sorrow. On this side, it's God and man. On this side, it is relationship. If you are born again and adopted into God's family, on this side, you're a son or a daughter of God. But on this side, you're just a slave. You know what is heartbreaking? Is that there are many, many Christians who do not have a relationship with God. And I know, because I was one of them, I grew up in a Christian family and we went to church and i knew of god but i did not know him do you know him do you know him what is standing in your way to have this close and intimate relationship with god there are many things alcohol drugs a moral lifestyle Pornography, anger, bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness, family, friends, your career, sports, hobbies, even social media. Or do you think that you've messed up badly, that God cannot love you and that God will not love you? Please, don't limit God. Just look at David, a lying, deceiving, adulterer, and murderer. Yet he was called a man of God's own heart. Yes, he had many successes, but he had many failures and disappointments. But this David knew his God, and he knew he could run to his God. David was a blessed man. God blessed him wonderfully. He lived a full life. He had many possessions and many children. And he had a famous name, a big name. And through his line, through his line, the Messiah came. Jesus came through his line. We've all messed up. And we've all sinned against the Holy God. This creator God, could have stamped on us. That's all. But yet, He cares for us. We all deserve eternal punishments. Even that person that you love the most deserves eternal hell. But, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, we can have a relationship with God. You know what is more heartbreaking? We hear this and we know this. And there are many people out there who also know this, even unbelievers, that Jesus died on the cross. But it is sad because people don't think about it. And they devalue this event in history. I watch many street preaching videos and people will always shout, but, but God is love and God forgives. But Jesus died on a cross for our sins. Yet they continue in their sins. We don't think about the heavy price that was paid for our salvation. There's a lack of godly fear in this world. this creator god who is all knowing all powerful almighty sovereign holy magnificent splendid glorious in the old testament his name is yahweh he is the great i am this faithful Trusting, splendor, glorious created God. This big God that we even cannot comprehend wants a relationship with me and with you. What should we take from this? He made us with a purpose. He knows us intimately. He will never leave you alone. He's almighty and powerful and His perfect justice will be carried out. This God wants to love you. He wants to pick you up, heal you and restore you. Your situation is very small. God is bigger than your situation. God Says and he promises, promises that he will wipe away every tear from your face. Do you know that only humans can have emotional tears? That's how special we are. And don't think you are, you are worthless, that you are just a man or a woman. This God walked with Adam and Eve Moses and Abraham was called friends of God. Enoch walked with God until he was no more. God took him. They had a relationship with him. He's faithful. He will never leave you. Never, ever. Jesus paid a price. Think about the price that he paid for us. Think about this God who created us. if you need any more motivation to have a relationship with this big creator God that is abound in love and grace, I will give you some homework. Go and read David's prayer in 2 Samuel 7, verse 18 to 29. And go and read Job, chapters 38 to 41. And stand amazed at who this amazing creator God is. Let us pray. Oh God, you are our God. We thank you, Father that you are mindful of us. we thankful that you are all sovereign and almighty God. We thank, we thank you, Father, that you want to take care of us, that you want to love us, and that we can have a relationship with you. We thank you that you didn't cast us away We thank you for Jesus Christ that he paid an expensive price for us willingly on the cross that we could be be made right with you. We are thankful God that you've created this earth and the stars and the galaxies that we could look up and see your splendor and your majesty And I pray tonight, Father, that you would touch every single heart. And I pray that every single person will be still at some point of time and think about you and who you are and how big your love and grace is and how much you love us. Come work in us, Father. Come work in our hearts. Come help us to leave these worthless earthly things aside and call upon you so that we can be with you face to face in heaven one day. We pray, Father, for the lost out there. We pray that they would call upon your name, that they would turn from the wicked ways, And they would also be saved. Thank you you that we know that one day, Lord, we will be around your throne with people from every nation, tribe, tongue. Thank you, Lord, that you are good. help us to understand and see a bit of a bit more of your glory amen